We have many things in God that we describe him as, don't we? we? We know him to be our provider. We know him to be our protector. We know him to be our savior. You know, we know him to be our healer. It goes on and on and on. I mean, God is our savior, right? Did you know that Jesus, and he's our king, but did you know that Jesus, our father God, he wants to be our friend? He wants to be your friend. I mean, think about that just for a moment. Like, take yourself back to grade school. You know how easy it was back in the day when you were little, you just made friends, like, instantly, like, hey, you, me, we're friends. All right, best friends forever. Like, Jesus just wants to be your friend. He wants to know you, hang out with you. In fact, what's wild when you think about how Jesus set things up to begin with, that's what he did. He made the most lush garden ever conceived. And, and made friends with Adam and Eve and was like, this is going to be perfect. Like, literally, Genesis describes the relationship between Adam and Eve and God as one of just ease, of, of perfection, of, of nothing going on. Like, no pomp and circumstance, no sacrifice, no have to do that in order to get this, just being. Like those kind of friendships you have, like where they get so deep and you're, so, you're friends for so long, you can hang out with one another, you haven't said anything for 45 minutes and there's not an awkward moment in the room. It's just because you're so close, you're so intimate that your relationship has gone beyond any type of sort of uh, uh, expectation or, or, or thing to try to earn one another's approval. You're not trying to like lay things out. You know when you first get to know somebody, you're trying to like lay things out like what do you like, what do you don't like. I'm going to lay this down a little bit, see how like, you know, liberal you might be or conservative you might be or how this is going to be or like do you like this or do you like that. Like you start to lay those little things out. Like Jesus, God created a moment, an opportunity for, for the coexistence of his creation to be with him in a place that was void of awkwardness, void of, of pomp and circumstance, void of anything that could come between the beauty of what it was that he had made. He just had one rule, just one. The only thing I don't want you to do is look anywhere else, to touch anything else, to pursue anything else other than me. Just don't go looking for it. Because if you do, you'll find it and you'll ruin it. So just, just stay with me. Just hang out with me. I want to be your friend. And what happened? What ruined it? Anybody, anybody, in, the, anybody in the room know what ruined it? What ruined it? Eve ruined it. That's what ruined it. No. <laughs> just kidding. No. What ruined it was sin. Sin, sin ruined it. Sin took away the perfection of God's creation and ruined it. It ripped apart a relationship, a friendship that otherwise would have lasted forever, that would have created something that we would, we would, we would now know, never know. But in its perfection, in its moment of, of peace and, and love and, and just perfectness, Sin came in and ripped it apart. Jesus wants to be close to you. In James 4, 8, it says, draw close to God and, and God will draw close to you. Pretty simple, straightforward stuff. You draw close to God, draw close to you. That's just the way it works. Over and over again throughout the Bible, and we'll go through it, Jesus is constantly asking us to be friends with me. Stay close to me. 
Let me show you how good life can be. Just don't look that way. Just don't look over there. Just don't talk to them. Don't look for advice from her. Don't go over there and be a part of that. Stay by me, and I'll show you how good life can be. Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, We were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, so we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. Man, thank God for Jesus. <laughs> thank the Father for his Son. Can you imagine a world without Jesus? What that might have looked like, what that might have been? You know, there's a time in the Old Testament. I'm not sure, I, like, the Old Testament is scary. Like, I'm no scholar, but Dr. Cynthia, Old Testament, I don't, I don't want to hang out in the Old Testament. Like, I like the New Testament. Old Testament is wild, man. Like, the amount of, the amount of rigmarole you had to go through to even get into the present, it was scary. Like, super scary. I'm talking like, like, you do the wrong thing, you're dead type of scary. And now, like, I wore a hat and, and a hoodie today. <laughs> just, to, just to show you, like, I get to stand up here and look like this and speak to you about Jesus, and I, I'm not afraid of any lightning strikes. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no pomp and circumstance in my relationship with Jesus because of what God did, because he sent his son, and he created for me an opportunity oh, to live in mercy, to live in grace, to have peace that passes understanding, to rejoice in my sickness, to, 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 to boast of his goodness even in my frustration, in my worst moments, to, to laugh in the face of the devil because God sent his son. And then Jesus wants to be, wants to be my friend. He wants to hang out with me. Jesus came and he said, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I call you my friends. If just for a moment, like you, you take your mind to a place of understanding who Jesus is, the Son of God, the Holy One, the unblemished, the perfect Savior of all the world, wants to be friends with you, I mean, I can see that, but wants to be friends with me, there's no way. It's, it, it, it doesn't make sense, but that's exactly what he wants for each and every single one of us. He set it up, so indeed, all you have to do is ask him. Just like when we were in kindergarten, and I saw you, and you saw me, and we're like, you want to play? I want to play? Yeah. Do we just become best friends? Yup. We just did. I can't wait to meet Jesus face to face. I can't wait to see the handshake he has ready for me. I can't imagine the joy 
that will fill the room when we touch hands for the first time. At times here now, it's overwhelming just to feel his presence. I can already sense how good it is. But to be next to him physically, to be in heaven with him, oh my gosh, it'll be, a, it'll be the most magnificent of, 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 of days. Here's what it says. It says, starting from scratch, God made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable. He made it, he made it so that we could live here, so that we could actually occupy the space with plenty of time and space for living so that we could do what? Seek after God, that's it. He made earth hospitable. Like, do you understand? I know there's some nerds in the room and I'm one of them. Like, I like, I love, I, I, just, I just don't study as much, but, I, but my, I love, I love smart people. I love when they can break down. Do you know how complex, you know how, you know how unique earth is as an inhabitable planet? Do you know the things that had to take place for us to be able to be alive today? to be able to be here, it's insanity. It's, 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 a, it's a miracle. It is nothing short of a miracle. It can't, it can't be defined by any atom or, or gases. or, or it, it, is a, it is a downright miracle. I don't care how many scientists try to put it into black and white in a book. It's miraculous. It's not possible. And yet here is God making a place that's inhabitable so we could do one thing and one thing only to hang out with him. That's, that's wild. And look at us running around like crazy people, <laughs> trying to figure out all these ways that we can become better, better than you and better than me and better than her and better than he. You're not doing it right. If you did this, if you followed that, if you read this book, if you got this degree, if you had that job, the only thing Jesus ever wanted from any of us was to be his friend. He made an entire earth so we could be just that. The rest of the scripture says, and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. Those are the alternatives. That's your alternative even now. To grope around in the dark, the Bible says. To blindlessly, aimlessly walk around thinking that there's some other way that you can find what you're looking for when in fact there is no other thing. It doesn't exist. It's an endless journey of nothingness. But to have a friendship with Jesus. Oh man, I don't know. Like I hear what you're saying and it sounds great. But I've been on this planet for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 70 years, 80 years and I've yet to understand how exactly do I become friends with Jesus? How, how, how is it done? How do you do that? Like, there's people you've seen around, right? Like, you want to be friends with them so bad. They're so cool. They dress the right way, man. Like, they got this swag about them. You're just, you, I just want to be in their presence. I want to be around them. How do I become their friend? And then what happens? You start doing things way out of character, right? Like, suddenly, like, you're the conservative guy. Wears green Blue, all day long, doesn't change colors, wears the same clothes, got five t-shirts in your closet, look the same, same shoes. You got your church shoes, your, your, your gym shoes, and you got like your, you know, your work boots. That's it. But suddenly you start hanging around somebody because you think they're cool and like all of a sudden you show up and you start dressing out of character, right? Where'd you get those from? Man, you're, you're, looking, you're looking good, but those are some flashy clothes. Like you start doing things out of your character because you want to you wanna fit in 
with who you think you want to be around. And, it, and that's fine and it's all good. But, but what's great about Jesus is like, listen, man, you can be exactly who you are. You don't got to change a thing. Come to me dressed the way you are, the way you talk, the way you walk, the attitude you have, the spirit that you live in. I, I love it. I made it. It's who I made you to be in the first place. I just want to spend time. Well, how do I do it? How do I make those adjustments? We get so caught up with trying to adjust ourselves for him when he's told us over and over again, and we just don't believe it because it's, it's unnatural. It's, it's our lifestyle. It's our culture. It's our, it's our human understanding that in order to fit in, we got to look like, we got to sound like, we got to act like the room that we come into, and Jesus is the exact opposite. He doesn't want you looking like anybody else. He wants you looking like you because he made you. He wants you talking like anybody else. He gave you the accent he gave you. He wants you, you know, dressing like anybody else. He made that style. He made you the way you are for a reason. Because it's a piece of him. It's a part of who he is. If he likes himself, he likes you because you're one of you're one of him. Well, how do I do it? How do I become friends with Jesus? Here's the first thing you have to do. You've got to make knowing God not just a priority, but your number one priority. Your number one priority. I'm not talking about part-time gigs, side hustles, every once in a while, Easter's, Christmas. Yeah, I go to North Coast, like, or I go to church. I'm talking about this is my number one priority. My entire life surrounds it. Everything else is the peripheral. Like, I realize I got to work so I can get a paycheck, so I can eat. That's a side gig. My number one priority is, is Jesus. Everything I do surrounds him. Like, what I find really funny is my wife and I work out together often, and, and, and like, when we're really in tune, our entire day surrounds our gym schedule. Our entire week, our month, like, everything is built around that because it becomes a priority. And the results of that priority produce something, right? It produces whatever you put into it. It produces health, essentially. But your relationship with Jesus is the exact same way. If you're prioritizing Jesus as your, prior, as, as your priority, your relationship with him as your priority, everything else around it benefits. And, and the life that you begin to have starts to show out, right? Suddenly your clothes start fitting different, right? Like things stop hurting a certain type of way. Sleep gets better. Right? Relationships. Here's, here's the Jesus stuff. You start prioritizing Jesus as your number one priority in your life. All of a sudden, relationships are restored. And what, what did you do? You didn't even work on the relationship. You were working on your relationship with Jesus. Suddenly, your, your marriage is whole, right? Your, your friendships are restored. Your health is now getting on, in line. Your finances are stacking on stacking, on stacking. You're like, I don't even know what's going on. I made Jesus my priority. That's what's going on. Philippians 3.8 says, everything else is worthless compared with the priceless gain of knowing Jesus Christ. This part, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may know Christ. Look, it's, it's difficult to convince people. In fact, that's the opposite of what I'm trying to do. It's the opposite of what any of us should be trying to do when we discuss and we talk about Jesus 
to other people, especially ourselves. You, you can, you cannot can convince me of anything. But what you can do is you can convey to me the goodness of your life because of what you've done. That will change me. So I'm conveying to you, the scripture's conveying to you to understand, to get rid of everything else in your life, to regard it as garbage, as worthless, in order to achieve all the promises of goodness that God has made for you. It's an intuitive way of thought because as human beings, we want to be in control of every situation, right? We, we want to be a part of the narrative. I want my hand to the pen to the paper. I want to know what the next line is going to say. I want to be a part of the lyric. I want to be a part of the word. I want to write the chapter. I want to be included. And if I give up everything, if I stop trying over here and over there and being a part of this and filling up my entire life with all these things, then that means I'm, I'm no longer in control and I just can't have that. And suddenly you'll find yourself not just not prioritizing God, but deprioritizing him. Because the more you prioritize God, the less of you is involved. And the, revolt, the results like have the teetering scale of you get there, you get there, you get there, and then suddenly whoosh, Jesus takes over and everything in your life is incredible. But we're so simple, we, we just can't get past the I'm in control because I got, I got paid this week. You got paid this week. You're living paycheck to paycheck, bro. So what you got paid this week? I, I want Jesus paychecks, like where I haven't checked my bank account in months, right? Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't have to look. There is no INSF notice coming through my, through my car. I'm not nervous when I stick my debit card in the machine and whether or not it's going to go through or not. I, I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my body is whole and healed. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the peace in my mind, the anxiety that I've experienced, the depression that I go through is gone and never coming back. In order for that to take place, I have to involve myself in Jesus and make him the priority of everything that I do. My life has to rotate around him all the time. It's everything. He's my priority. That's the first thing you have to do. This may hurt, so I'll say it slow, but I want to make you all aware of something. At this very moment, beginning new year of 2023, what is it, the 8th? January 8th. Whether you like it or not, you are as close to God right now as you choose to be. If you're feeling distant, it's because you're distant. If you're feeling like God's not around and you're not having the answers that you're looking for, it's because you're not seeking him. There, there's, no other, there's, no other, there's no other reality. You could talk yourself into it, and if you're surrounded by people who are telling you those things, they're not your friends. They're not, good, they're not giving you good advice. Maybe they're just, maybe let me rephrase it. I feel bad. They're, they're misunderstood as well. They misunderstand as well. If someone loves you and understands who Jesus really is, they're going to tell you directly eyeball to eyeball that, that where you're at is a direct result of where you're choosing to be. That's a hard conversation to have. And it doesn't even need to be had with other people. I, I'm not asking anybody to walk out of here and go, go find somebody and grab them by the hands and be like, you're, you're in the position because you, you did it. I'm not, 
I'm talking about you and you, like you in the mirror. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If the Bible, I, I, I believe the Bible. I had a discussion with a friend the other day, and we were, we were driving out to our son's uh, match, wrestling match and stuff, and so we had some time together, and great dude, man, he's like really exploring Jesus and loves Jesus, understands Jesus, and has reconnected with him as of recent, and he just had some questions, and we were talking and really having a great dialogue, going back and forth, and you know, I, I, had, I gave him some perspective that I think is, is beneficial to understanding. Like, you can, you, can, you can seek Jesus, right? Like, where you'll find him is at, is at the level of which you seek him. So when the Bible says you'll find him when you seek him, it also adds with all of your heart, with all of it, with all of it, friend. Like, you're, you can't just pursue God a little bit and expect the full return of everybody else's getting around you, right? You understand that? Like, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not a system of the Bible. Your world, your, your, your view, right? So you have, you have a worldview, you have a, a biblical worldview, you have a worldly view. My worldview is, is biblical. I see things through the eyes of God, through the word of God. And that creates for me a responsibility of understanding, like, I accept where I'm at as a circumstance of my own doing, not my surroundings. Because even when I'm not living right, I know who I am. I know who my daddy is. I am the son of a king. I'm just acting up right now. So, so while in my immaturity and in my temper tantrum, I may blame you or blame them or blame the church or blame the pastor or my boss or my wife or whoever, the girl. Like, at the end of all of that blaming, there's only one person to blame. Because I know what the word tells me, my biblical worldview tells me that I can be as close to God as I want to be. And where I'm at is of my own choosing. Number two, I love this one because I love peace and quiet. There is nothing like the stillness of the mountains in the middle of winter. When there's feet of snow on the ground, the temperatures are below freezing. It is, it is the closest that I feel like you can get to understanding the presence of God in like a a peaceful, man, majestic way. It settles. Nobody's moving. Everything's hibernating. Even the plants are still. Number two, sit and still and be quiet. Psalms uh, 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. It's a hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do to, be sit, to sit still and be quiet, right? Like our life mode right now at home is insanity. It's crazy. Like it's wake up, make breakfast, kick kids out the door, get ready to go, do your thing, come home, make lunches or dinners or whatever, go to wrestling practice, go to the game, go to the matches, then go to basketball on Tuesday, then go to wrestling on Wednesday, then go to wrestling on Thursday, then go to basketball games on Friday, then have another wrestling match on Sunday, then go to church, and then have wrestling after, after church on Sunday afternoon. It's nuts. 
So like be still and, and, and know like when, when would you like me to be still? Like if I'm not moving, literally human beings are dying. I have three of the most dependent, ridiculous, it's crazy. But the excuse making machine is always on, right? The reality of that situation requires me to take a look in the mirror and, and makes me do things I don't want to do. I, 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 my wife and I love to sleep. Like, we're just, we sleep literally anywhere there. Like, I'm glad I'm a little older, so I wasn't around for, like, the first half of social media because I would have just been me in high school and college and life, like, younger, just constantly sleeping everywhere. Like, people taking pictures of me, like, just passed out. I'll sleep anywhere. But, but I can't, so my point is, the reason I was telling you that, is because it's, it's really difficult, or it was, for me to wake up early in the morning. At least I gave myself that excuse. And mostly it was because, and here's the honest truth, I stayed up till two in the morning doing whatever, watching dumb shows. But, but what I realized once we had kids and then more kids and then another kid is that if I want stillness, I have to make stillness. If I want peace, I have to make peace. And oftentimes that comes in the form of me being like, I'm leaving. I'll see you guys in a couple of days. I'm going into the mountains. But, but I can't do that all the time. And so, so what it requires me to do is discipline myself. It requires you to, to go to bed earlier and then to wake up earlier. Because what I know is that once the cock crows, it's over. <laughs> it's just, it's over. Whether I like it or not. And I can, I can whine and complain and kick and scream all the way through my day. Or I can recognize that my time is 6 a.m. I, ha- I, I got to be there. Right? Some of y'all are crazy. Like, four, I'm up 4 o'clock in the morning. Whatever. Do what you got to do. I can't get up that early. It makes me physically ill. But like six o'clock in the morning, I'm there. That, that's, that's my stillness. Let me get my scriptures straight here. Psalm 25, 14 says, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who reverence him. With them, he shares the secret of his covenant. The reverence that I'm talking about in being still and quiet displays for God your understanding of putting him first. So you're, you're putting aside time from him. It's reverential. It excludes everything else around you, right? It means your phone stays at your bedside or wherever. The house isn't lit up yet, right? Like you don't go downstairs and make a bunch of breakfast and satisfy you first. Like you're, you're reverentially approaching God and saying, look, before anything else, before anything else, I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be still. And I'm going to ensure that the presence of God, that my pursuit of your presence is met because I, I have to have you. you. You wanted to be my friend and I need you and I need you to be my friend. And so I will ensure that I make the time to produce a friendship, a relationship of benefit in which your benefit is me, which is ridiculously pathetic. And then my benefit is you. That's incredible. Wow. Approaching God with that and giving yourself the opportunity to be in the presence of God every single day in those quiet moments, that quiet still place will produce in your life an exponential amount of God's goodness. Does that make sense? It's as simple as I can say it. it it's, 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 it's your time alone with Jesus produces goodness in your life. 
The rest of the time, like, look, I'm talking about, I said it before, praying in line at the grocery store, praying in your car. Like, do, I get that, but that's not the same thing. Like, you can stay praying without ceasing while you're working. But the reality is, is like, when I'm going 75, 65 down the highway, <laughs> when, I, when I'm going down the highway at the, at the, at the listed speed, I, I am focused on many things. God is one of them. But it's also all the other crazy people driving around me, Right? So there's just not the same type of connection. I can have my worship music going, and don't get me wrong, man, I've, I've been going down the road, and I've had a moment. I've had many moments where I'm like, oh, Jesus, you are in this car right now, for sure. But I'm also like, what are you doing? Oh, you're so good. You still got to be on point. There's a, there's, a, there's a different me and Jesus that's taking place in my sunroom at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, than, than there is one than when I'm at the store in line. I can still pray there. I can still be a part of God's presence there. I can still be praying without ceasing there. But the reverential moment that I have with Jesus has excluded everybody else and everything else and is just made for me and him produces goodness in my life. Okay. When you come before God, don't turn it into a theatrical production. All right? Just find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift then from you to God. It's important I share that scripture in Matthew 6, 5, because I want you to understand something. Like, I, I, I love worship at church. I love it. It's, 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 it's essential. But there's, there's always in the back of my mind, like, the moment I, I'm always thinking to myself, like, am I doing what I'm doing for anybody else in the room? I'm not always thinking that, but it's there, right? I got just... I just, it's just there. But what I know when I'm by myself, like, there ain't nobody there. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't possibly be trying to please anybody else, whether subconsciously or conscious, because it's just, just me and him. That's why alone time with Jesus is so important. And I'm not talking about with your husband or your girlfriend, or your boy. Those are, that's not alone time. I'm talking about you, just you, just your DNA and Jesus. That's it. Nobody else in the room. Yeah, we're one. No, you're not. There's two people. There are two people there, just you. Just Jesus produces something that you can't get anywhere else. It's very important. It's really, really important. I know this is really like instructional, and it's kind of like very simple and straight to the point, but, but what I want to do is like maybe get back to, it's a good time of year to do that, get back to some basics here, right? Like, you know, you know what I love about baseball? I wish Caleb was here. He probably is somewhere. Is he here? Well, anyways, everybody play baseball when you're a kid, for the most part. You play baseball. Like, what do, what do baseball players from, from peewee leagues all the way up to the majors do at spring training? What's the first thing they do? Well, besides that, they play catch, right? They play catch. Like, like a bunch of little kids, they, they get about 10 feet apart from one another, and they just start throwing the ball back and forth. And then what do they do? They start throwing each other grounders. Like, you got dudes making $350 million over the course of a 10-year contract throwing grounders like me and my boys do out in the side yard. I mean, you can give me like a tenth of that. I'll, good. I'll play catch with you all day, every day. It's because, it's because the basics matter. The basics matter. And if you want to be in the pros, you got to start with the basics. You got to start with the fundamentals. These are fundamentals of having a relationship with Jesus. If you're not practicing your fundamentals, like, don't. Don't, don't come give me your walk-up music because that, like, like that's the pomp and circumstance. 
Like, oh, like this is the this is the song I need you to play when I'm coming up to bat in the ninth inning to win the game. Like, bro, you're on the bench, bro. <laughs> like, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't even come to spring training. Like, you you didn't, I've never seen you throw a grounder. I haven't played catch with you ever. Like, you don't, you don't even know the fundamentals of the game. You don't practice the fundamentals of the game, but yet you you want to be the man in the bottom of the ninth with two outs to win the World Series? No, you can't be. And it's not because, like, I don't want you to have that opportunity. It's because if you were honest with yourself, and, and I'll be honest for you, you'll miss. You'll swing, you'll miss, and you'll lose the game. It's essential that we understand the basics of our belief system and how to practice them, how to become a friend with Jesus. This is how you do it. It's really simple. And if this is all you ever get, don't get, don't get upset because that's all Jesus ever wanted in the first place. Remember, he, he made an entire inhabitable earth, so what did he do? So he could just spend time with you. That's all he wants. He doesn't care how much you know. He just wants to spend time with you. He is the best friend you'll ever have. He's the friend you can hang out with and say nothing with for hours on end, days on end. Like the same thing. Laugh at the same jokes. Go to the same places. Wear the same clothes. <laughs> Can't believe you wore the same shirt. We got good style, bro. That's, that's the Jesus that you, that, you, that you fell in love with. And that's all he's ever wanted from you was your time. Grace is the key ingredient. If you don't make time to be in his presence, then you can't receive grace. Everybody wants grace and mercy, but you, you can't get, you can't receive grace and mercy if you're not spending time in his presence. You, you can't understand, you can't, you can't grasp it. Without grace, you are lost, you're bound, you're bitter, you're confused, you're hurt, you're broken. You must make time. You must make time, reserved time for just you and Jesus. Let's move on. Number three, this is easy. You got to make a decision. You have to decide, D-E-C-I-D-E, decide. Be a man, be a woman, and decide who it is, what it is you're going to do. Whose friendship do you want most? Who do you want to be friends with the most? The almighty God who loves you and will be there for you no matter what? Or the popular kids? You, you want to be a part of the popular crew because right now that's, they're shiny and everything looks cool and everything's great over there. And like, that's where I want to be. It just feels good. You want to hang out with the popular kids or do you want to be in the presence of the almighty God? You have to make a decision to decide where it is you want to be, which side of the line you want to be on. It's crazy to me, it's really crazy to me when I'll get into conversations and like, I, I, I mean, I have a tendency to be like fake it till you make it guy, right? Like, I feel like there's moments I could talk about anything on planet earth and at least fake it for a while. Like, you know, under the surface, you start talking to somebody that really knows their stuff, you get caught pretty quick. But for the general, for the general population, I can start a conversation about politics, geopolitics. I can talk about, I can talk about stock markets. I can talk about football. I've had conversations with people in this room. Like on Sundays, we're breaking down football. I swear we could get a job working for the Browns talking about the Browns. We, we know so much information, pointless, worthless information about stuff. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. But, but it's because we're filling our minds all the time with all of this stuff because I made a decision in my heart, like, or my heart, my mind. Like I, I, I want to be a part of that group. And now I do it and I don't even know it. Like, 
You could bring up a subject matter right now, and, and there's a good possibility we could start having a conversation about it. And it would be totally random, off your radar. But you're so inundated with stuff by just TV commercials, like social media ads, radio, whatever. You're hearing this stuff all the time, and it's seeping into your system. When I was younger, my, my, my father and mother spent a lot of time with Dr. Summerall, and he was like, he was on to it way before people were on to it. I love, I love when people post. All right, I'm just giving everybody a heads up. I'm going to be off social media for a few weeks. I need a detox. This dude was detoxing newspapers back in like 1970. He realized it. It's, it's gar- it's, none of it matters. Like it doesn't matter. Like the world is going to do what it's going to do. It, that's not going to help anything. Me knowing what's going on over here and over there and being able to break down this and break down that and be able to have conversations about that, it doesn't, it's worthless information. It does not matter. Well, you don't want to bury your head in the sand. Yeah, I do. I want to bury my head in Jesus. I don't care what's going on. It, 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 it's, not, it's, not an effective, it's not an effective way to get to where it is the only place I care about going. Like, if, if your mindset is eternal and you care about eternity, and hopefully by the time we're done here, if you don't, you will, and then you'll change your mind. If your mindset is eternal, the only thing that matters is eternity. You know what I, you know what I love this past week? And it was a tragic situation. Uh, is it Damar? What's his name? Damar Hamlin? Man, like, this kid drops down dead on a football field. Everybody's seen the story. Fast forward, if you didn't know, just to the end of the story, he's awake. He's like doing well. Miracles are happening. But here's what took, here's what took place. And I loved it. I'm like, oh, you devil, you get to watch this and you get to watch it again. Drops dead on the football field. An entire stadium, all, every player, every player, every coaching staff, anybody that's on the field is now surrounding this young man on bended knee, praying to the almighty God, Jesus Christ. And then, and then an entire stadium. And then news reporters. And then I watched, I don't know his name, it was just like a, a mainstream, mainstream news uh, sports show or whatever. I don't know if it was that night or the next morning. On air, on air, this liberal, God-hating, Disney, ESPN, bullcrap, ugh. I, w- I was so excited. I'm like, yes, yes. I'm still excited about it. Everybody's sending out thoughts and prayers, and I think that's great, he says. He's like, but, I mean, literally, like, why aren't we just doing it right here, right now? In fact, that's what I'm going to do. And his man's like, yeah, yeah. That, that's highly appropriate. And we're just going to bow our, eye, or bow our heads and close our eyes right now. And, 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 this, and I don't know who this guy is. Like, I don't know what his background is, but his prayer was so authentic and, and, and just so heartfelt. Bows his head and says, Jesus, I, or God, I, I don't, I don't, we, we're confused. We're hurt. We, we don't know why this is ta- taking place, but, we, but what we do know is that in these moments, we come to you. And we seek your direction. And, and we, we, we pray for Damar and his family that he would be healed, that he'd be touched. And, and the authenticity of that moment was so beautiful. But, but more importantly now, like what you recognize is that as wild as a journey we've been on in these last couple of years, just when we think the devil's got a stranglehold on our nation, what I saw 
what I saw was millions of people, millions of people coming together, understanding that there may be a think tank that thinks this way, but whether you like it or not, you're still the minority. And the majority rules. And the majority says Jesus is king in this nation. And, and they've, been, they've been eating it. They've been eating it. There ain't nothing they can do about it. And it happened again last night. Happened again last night. 104 men on the field, all their coaches, all their staff, all their supporting staff, on their knees, praying to Jesus. They weren't praying to Allah. They weren't praying to Buddha. They, weren't praying. they were praying to Jesus Christ. There ain't nothing they can do about it. I, I, just, I just love it. it. Makes me curl my lip. You should know that loving time spent, loving time spent, uh, with, with the world is the same as hating God. You should know that loving the world is the same as hating God. I wrote it like this. You should know that time, spending time with the world is the same as hating God. The amount of time you spend in the world is, 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 the, is, is that. It's hard for me to say because it feels bad. That's, that's what it is. So the more time you're spending in the world with the world views, what the world thinks is important, is, is the opposite. It's, it's, it's you saying, God, I don't, I don't love you. I love the world. I don't love you. The Bible talks about loving people, right? Hate the world, love people. And it's not, it, it goes like this. Like, so love the world, it's people, but hate the world, it's value system. Of course, love everybody, but the value, system, the value system of the world is not who you are. You don't have to condone the, the value system of the world. You're called and required to love its people. You're not called in any way, shape, or form required to love the value system of the world. And if you do, the Bible says it's the same thing as hating God. So just FYI, like it's your scripture. I'm just helping you find it. There it is. Let's move on to number four. Maintain a consistent conversation. Pray without ceasing, right? Maintain a consistent conversation. It always goes. It's always on. It's always going. It's a constant group text, right? You got your group text with your friends. It's just always going. Like sometimes it's like bing, 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 bing. And I'm like, bro, I got to go to bed. You're talking about nonsense. But it's a constant conversation. It's, it's, it's always occurring. The moment I wake up to the moment I sleep, but a goal is to create a conversation with Jesus that's always ongoing. And I don't care how silly it needs to be. If you got to ask Jesus what to have for breakfast, then ask him. Have a conversation. He's your best friend. He just wants to hang out with you. He wants to know what's going on in your life. Like he wants to be able to be a part of every single thing that's going on. So create a constant conversation with Jesus at all times. Pray all the time, 1 Thessalonians says. Constant communication and dialogue produces direction and protection. Constant communication and dialogue with the Lord will produce protection and direction in your life. I asked myself this, what would my relationship be like if I spoke to God as much as I scroll through my phone and text my friends? If, if the Bible asks us to pray without ceasing, to have a relationship with him without ceasing all the time, right? It's just a part of, our, it's a part of everything we do. And I'm talking about the most mundane where to go, what to eat, what to wear, what blah, blah, blah. If, if we did that, 
If we spent as much time talking to Jesus, having a relationship with him, as we do scrolling through social media or texting our friends or communicating with, you know, our best friends, what would our relationship actually look like? Man. My determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly. That's my prayer, to understand him more, more strongly, more deeply, to see his wonders. But it only comes through making a decision. It only comes through spending time with him, through constant dialogue, through constant prayer. And number five, this is my final one. This is a difficult one. Because when pains and hurts come, it tends to knock us off course a little bit, right? Like we, we can be as strong as anybody out there until suddenly we get punched in the jaw. Until suddenly we get the call. Until suddenly the bank account does go insufficient, right? Until someone does, the loved one passes away, or the unexpected situation happens, the job loss. And, and suddenly, like, we're, we're not quite sure how to trust God in our pain. But that, that's what we have to do. That's number five. You, you have to trust God in your pain. Psalms 55, 22 says, Cast all your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you, because he will never let the righteous fall. See, God's your friend. He's not your acquaintance. You know the difference between a friend and an acquaintance? The difference between a friend and an acquaintance is somebody you see like maybe every time you go into work or every time you go to a certain store or the gym or wherever you go. It's the, it's the hey, how you doings? Man, weather sure is nice. Great to see you. Hi, bye. Those are acquaintances. You know them. Like nowadays, like, you know, you meet a person three or four times, you probably start following them on social media. Like they know who you are. You know who they are. But you don't trust them. Right? You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't have a relationship with them that speaks to, man, I'm going through it. I need to pick up the phone and call my best gym buddy <laughs> that I see once a day when I walk in and out. That's not who you pick the phone up and call and talk to. You, you pick the phone up and you call your BFF, right? The guy you've known since fourth grade, the brother, the uncle, the auntie, the girlfriend you've had, you know, for so long. Because there's a trust there. They've seen your dirt. They know your scars. They know underneath who you are. Despite your poor decision making. <laughs> Despite your out of character moments. They know, they know deep down who you really believe in. Who you really, who you really foundationally stand on. They, they know the things you stand for. And they know, they know that at the end of the day. You're going to be there for them, and they're going to be there for you. Those are called friends. Those are the people that sometimes you don't even have to say a word to them. Right? The tears just start flowing the moment you walk into their presence. And before you know it, like, you're snotting all over their shoulder, and they're just holding you like a baby. Because they know you. Because you know them because you trust them, because you love them, because they love you. See, that's the, that's the difference between a friend and an acquaintance. And, and when, when things do hit the fan, if you're not a friend of Jesus, like, 
where are you running? Whose shoulder are you crying on? Who are you leaning into? Because, Because when things go really sideways, the night DeMar Hamlin suited up and went onto that field never expecting all his family showing up to the stadium, never expecting for their 24-year-old son to fall dead at the 50-yard line in front of 50,000 people on national television. There clearly is a friendship amongst him and his family because there was an instantaneous knowing who to run to at that very moment. You see, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't run to the Democratic Party. They didn't call up some dude in the GOP. They didn't hit up the CEO from Disney. They didn't call ESPN. They didn't, they didn't do any of those things. All these organizations that have been dividing us over the last forever. They didn't call them because they know they have nothing to offer to them. They called Jesus. And this morning, if you know or if you don't know who you call on in that moment, I want you to stand up on your feet with me. Either way, whether you know him or you don't, I, I know that, that in the moment of your deepest pain, and whether it's come or it's coming, it's vital that you know who your friends are, who your greatest friend is, because you're going to need them. And if all you've done your whole life today is surround yourself with acquaintances, Put yourself in a position for highs and buys and how's the weathers. When something hits the fan and when things go sideways and you don't know where to run, you'll be lost in the wind, just, just blowing around, just blowing around, like not sure where to go. Thank God for church on the North Coast. There's a lighthouse. Because there's many... And most that aren't in this room today, let's just be honest, like most of y'all, I'm preaching to the choir in here today, most Sundays. Yeah, I'm reaffirming and we're re-understanding and that's all good, but the, but, the, but the honest truth is like, you already know what I'm saying. Maybe it's digging deeper and it's helping you go along, but, but for the most part, you know who your daddy is. You know who your savior is and I'm happy for that. But for those who don't this morning, or maybe, maybe for those who have, who have drifted away, whose relationship isn't as tight as it once was, who's, who thought forever they'd be boys, who thought forever they'd be best friends, but then suddenly something happened, time just lapsed, and you haven't talked to him for 10, 15, 20 years, and it's like, I don't really, I don't even know, I don't even know how to be friends with him again, man. It's like we spent all that time together, and I'm not really quite sure how to rekindle that friendship. Today's the opportunity to rekindle that friendship. The Bible told us and tells us that God created this entire planet, made it inhabitable just so that we could spend time with him. If you can, if you can wrap your mind around that, then surely you can wrap your mind around the idea that 
if you would just step into the presence of God this morning, that any thought of awkwardness or misunderstanding or not sure or how to do it or what are we going to talk about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about you. That'll all go away. That'll all go away. He knows you inside and out. He wove you piece by piece, custom, knows the hairs on your head. He knows the thoughts in your mind. He knows the dirt. He knows the sweetness. He knows everything. He's ready to embrace you again. He's ready to bring you back. He's ready to hold you. For those of you that know who he is, he wants a deeper level of relationship with you. He wants from you a decision this morning to spend more time with him, to prioritize him, to create opportunity to be speaking with him constantly all day long. He wants more. When? How? Where? I don't know. Come to church early and pray. These ladies be getting down up here. Find a life group. Get in it. Go to bed. Turn Netflix off. Wake up early. Just sit, just sit there. Just sit there. You don't need to say anything. Ain't nothing you're going to say that's going to impress him anyway. Just sit there. Just sit there and be quiet and be still and let the presence of God overwhelm your life and watch him take you to the next level. I've been doing this for 40 years, man. I'm good. No, you, you, I mean, you, you might be good, but who wants to be good? Be great. I want to be great. Like, there's lots of people who are good. I'm trying to be great. I'm trying to Enoch my way up out of here. Come on, this morning, whether you know him or you haven't met him before, my altar ministers are coming to the, to the, to the front here. They're preparing to pray with you and, and, and help you to make the most important decision of your lifetime. The single most important decision of your lifetime is right here in front of you today. Whether you've known Jesus your whole life or you've never met him before, you need to get reacquainted this morning. If you just need to have a friend, because these who they are, these are friends here. These aren't acquaintances. If you need a shoulder to cry on, if you need somebody to talk to, if you need somebody to pray with you, these, these are your friends right here. These are your friends right here. If we'd all bow our heads and close our eyes, Jesus, this is, your, this is the moment. This is it right here. Don't let it, don't let it get missed. Lock it in. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Father, I want to be friends with you. Today I decide to make you my king. Come into my heart and forever change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, whether you've done it before or it was your first time, let me tell you something. You're in store for greatness. Now it's time to decide to spend time with your new best friend. You ready for that today? Come on, put your hands together if you're ready to spend some time with your new BFF. Listen, come now, come forward to the altar, please. If you prayed that prayer, visit with one of our altar ministers. They want to pray with you. They have a gift for you. They want to talk with you. If you need prayer this morning, if you need for any reason, please come this way before you, that, you can go that way. Live right, love everybody, pray hard. We'll see you again this Wednesday right back here at Church on the North Coast. God bless you.